Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It is that constant struggle, which is why it's a good topic for a, a podcast is people are trying to um, kind of fund their passions, you know, whether you've got to um, do something you're not really into to fund the film that you want to make, or you've got to like, you go away and you shoot an advert and then that gives you some money to shoot your short film or, or, or something like, oh, loads of creative people are just trying to strike that balance of like shooting, making things that they really feel passionate about and doing things which gives them money but if those two things can collide i think that's like the perfect world hello and welcome back to another episode of balancing acts in this conversation i talk with writer and director craig ainsley hi this is steve wiley comedian actor filmmaker and writer all round adhd creative and welcome to my new podcast balancing acts where i talk to an array of creatives ranging from comedians actors directors all sorts and we talk about how they find a sense of balance or not between their creative lives and their everyday lives and how that has an impact on their mental health and beyond Balancing Acts is now made in association with The Comedy Crowd, who are a website and community that support independent comedy creators such as myself. I have a Comedy Crowd short, which is a a two-minute video one of my characters on their website. They showcase the best new videos on Comedy Crowd TV, which is comedycrowdtv.com, and across media platforms, so do go and check them out. Craig is a writer and director. His debut short film, Leslie, was a Vimeo staff pick and selected for numerous BAFTA and Oscar qualifying short films. His second short film, Whenever You're Ready, was also a Vimeo staff pick and was also selected on Nowness Short of the Week. And again, numerous BAFTA and um, Oscar qualifying film festivals, short film festivals. His animated short, The 12 Days of Christmas, featured none other than Phoebe Waller-Bridge. He's also written for Radio 4 and Have I Got News For You. Craig and I met at Palm Springs Short Fest and immediately hit it off and uh, have stayed buddies since. And uh, I've wanted to get him on the podcast for a while and managed to corner him when he was in his shed. So this is this is another Zoom conversation. So you'll see, obviously, there's a little bit of audio ambience that I guess signifies 
whatever the audio would sound like when someone's speaking from a shed. But that aside, this is uh, not even that aside. This is this is a really great conversation. And Craig covers loads of ground in terms of talking about different aspects of writing and directing, such as the challenge in deciding which projects that you're developing have priority, you know, until something gets green lit or gets options, which are the ones that you're going to prioritize. Um, he talks about his life as a uh, creative director in the advertising industry, which allows him to then finance his writing and directing uh, scripted comedy projects. We discuss why it's important to make mistakes in your early projects and be shit for a bit, really, before you can get better. Craig breaks down his experience of making his debut short film, Leslie, uh, which, as I said, won a Vimeo staff pick and really helped him understand uh, about the um, short film festival ecosystem and trying to navigate between the good and the bad festivals. Uh, he discusses the experience and learning curve of watching your short on the big screen and why Vimeo feels more like a short filmmaker's community than uh, YouTube. Craig explains why it's important to make your short achievable to shoot and how he managed to get a production company on board and also why you should you know approach production companies rather than waiting for them to come to you because Craig reached out to production company. Granted, he he had a relationship there, but it was his debut short, and uh, they could have they could well turn him down. But they decided to to come on board. So he talks about that and why really like making shorts leads to more opportunities and sort of changes the conversations you have with industry execs because rather than just showing them a script, you've got something on screen which they can they can look at and um, you know it helps people digest your your style and all sorts. I mean, I don't need to explain this to you. You know this, you know this. Uh, we talk about imposter syndrome and Craig's approach to working with actors. He talks about the sitcom pilots he's currently got in development with various TV production companies and the challenges that you're faced with when you transition from turning your short into potentially six 30-minute episodes. He breaks down the signs to look out for when you might have stumbled across a good idea and he explains how he got a sitcom commission with Steve Coogan's Baby Cow. How to get right that precarious balance between earning money to fund your passion projects. The experience of working with Phoebe Waller-Bridge and uh, Craig also highlights his relationship with his editor who he's worked with on every project and why he sends him his storyboard prior to shooting. We talk about Craig's transition of becoming a dad and the positive impact it's had on his productivity as a writer and on multitasking in general and how parenting has opened him to new ways of thinking. There is loads here. This is a really great one. If you're a writer, director, aspiring writer, director um, with a, you know, with a comedy focus, then this is a really good episode. I got a lot of time for Craig. He's very talented and lovely dude and i think you're going to enjoy it so over to craig Perfect. where are you in york you're in yorkshire no i'm in the northeast um Why are you in yorkshire? Out, uh, outside Middlesbrough, in a tiny village um my parents live in and i've sequestered myself in a little kind of shed summer house thing at the bottom of the garden that's where I am right now. <clears throat> and my my daughter naps in the middle of the day for about two hours, maybe two and a half hours. And that's a window of time to like do some stuff. So is this the window now? I'm in the window. 
Great. delicious. Got you in the window. Uh, well, thanks yeah. for doing this, man. No, no problem. Um, uh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a lovely place to hang out. Yeah, is that what you, are you going to be doing your writing in the shed? Yeah. Is it, like, is it like a converted office type thing? No, it's a, it's a little summer house that my parents built at the bottom of the garden that they use for like in the summertime. So it's quite okay. cold, but I'm just sat in here using data from my phone to use the internet. I just came off one call with um, my friend Rachel, who I'm writing something with, like a Skype, trying to write a script over Skype together. And then, um, then straight in, into this. Great. So, you have you got lots of stuff that you're working on project wise at the moment? Um, <clears throat> yeah, there's a couple of things. I feel like there's always things, and it's like trying to decide which ones have priority. That's the toughest thing, isn't it? I mean, until yeah. you get to a certain point where you've got a commission or you've been paid a bit of money to develop something uh, as an option or something like that, then. It's like which is prioritizing which projects to focus on. That's exactly it. It's like you might, I might have, I suppose they're all passion projects really, but I might have something I really want to work on. But as soon as something is money, I'm like, well, they're now at the top of the priority list. Yeah. Sure. They, they were once just projects with no money behind them that I was working on, um, I guess. Um, yeah, so I am um, editing something that I shot just before the virus took over everything. Yeah, you can build things, and then I have a script commission that I'm that I have to write. I okay. don't know how long. You don't know what? I don't know how long I've got to write it at the moment. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you probably have a, a bit of time now with all things considering. I'm hoping it's just a bit of uh, everyone's just kind of slowed down a touch. Yeah, well, like pretty from what I understand, all productions have been cancelled now. So. Yeah. Um, it's it's a good time to develop. My agent said it's a good. Uh, no one's putting money into production, so they're putting it. In, they've got to do something, so they're putting it into development. So it's a good time. Yeah, that's what I heard as well. The other thing that I was told was to start. I mean, this is an obvious thing. Start thinking about formats that could work for being shot in talent's home. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's mainly what I'm seeing online. What I'm learning during this, there's a lot of bald celebrities at home looking for an outlet. Yeah, there's that. And there's also, well, the broadcaster's schedules are going to dry up very soon. So they're going to need loads of new shows and they're all going to be shot from home. (laughs) What's going to, like... I got asked asked by a (laughs) production company. Literally, I had a conversation on Monday. They're like, yeah, can you start coming up with, with format ideas that talent can shoot from home? shoot from home they just need it quickly as they're running out of episodes of like must be yeah like channel four have just they've channel four just did a press release on uh all the sort of new types of isolation content that they are they're going to be creating yeah yeah i mean because who knows how long it's going to last so we're going to run out of episodes of things like eastenders and coronation street which i guess they just film every week would it be funny if that suddenly turned to animation <laughs> East End was animated for the summer. That's a great idea. You should pitch that. <laughs> That's such a good idea. In fact, you could just do that for all the shows, couldn't you? The bill. Everything goes animated, yeah. Is the bill still going? It's not going, is it? 
Is that? I don't know. No, I don't I feel, either. Yeah, there's something about like the bill and casualty for me just exists as like they'll permanently be on. But I don't know. They might have finished already. No idea. No. Yeah, I don't really plug into TV. I don't plug into like regular TV shows in that way because obviously now like our viewing habits are so fragmented because we can go and watch on demand and streaming, etc. Yeah. There isn't the, there isn't a necessity to do it. Although I fell out, I've stopped watching EastEnders and all uh, a long time ago. But now I'll start yeah. if, it, if, it, if it goes back into the animation. <laughs> I'm going to tune right back in if we get the animated EastEnders. Yeah. Um, but I'm the same. I don't have a at my house in London. I don't have an aerial to make like live TV stream through my TV. So I just have yeah. like streaming platforms, Netflix and stuff. But um, at my parents, the minute they watch terrestrial TV, so it's on and like, you realize that you, um, EastEnders, I still hear the theme tune from for Coronation Street playing and stuff. But there's something nice about when the TV's on because it feels like a thing that everyone is watching around the country. So you feel kind of connected to outside a little bit, especially when you're, everyone's locked inside like now. Yeah, it's, the, it's those water cooler moments. Like, we still have them now, but it's, it was more for, you know, maybe the last episode of Sopranos, yeah, or, you know, Breaking Bad and those kind of moments. But now I feel like the, this, like, we're saturated. It's not saturated, but we're, like, flooded with so many good TV shows that you can be watching. Someone could be watching Ozark and another person, Game of Thrones, and, and, they, and those people haven't watched the other show. So, yeah. like, like, I haven't, there's so many that I still haven't seen. Isn't my to watch list is intimidating. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'll never get through it. I will die before I get to watch everything that everyone recommends me. But um, I think maybe now's a good time to catch up because it's a great uh, time. no one's making anything new. You might be able to get, get up to speed. This is true. So, just to, um, just to sort of like set things up, you started off in the ad industry doing as a as a creative director. Yeah, yeah, and I I still I still do that. Part you still time. do that now, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, essentially, you're 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 sort of working on ad campaigns. Is it is it mostly TV commercials or is it across the board? A lot of TV commercials and ad across the board. Yeah. So I'm like a a creative director at an agency called Mother yeah. in London and um, I have a nice setup with them where they I work part time and then I can like disappear for a, a spell if I'm shooting something or if I'm developing something and then come back in um, it kind of gives me a consistent source of income I have a family I gotta like get that prioritised first and then everything else on on top of it is in my um, outside advertising time. And and then as a writer director, had you were you writing and directing your own work prior to getting into into advertising, or was that something that you developed as time went on? I think I was trying to, and then um, yeah, like years ago, I made shorts and, and things like that, which didn't really go anywhere, and they just existed on my desktop and stuff and then um why is that is that because you just knew that they weren't uh, a certain a certain standard to release into the internet or was this or was this prior like youtube days 
were you just literally mucking around and just experimenting? Yeah, it was probably a little bit prior then going into it, but it's, I, yeah, I just don't think it was good. I don't think I thought, yes, the world needs to see this. It was more just me trying to write scripts and trying to film them with friends and making stuff and then not putting it out. See, that's well, sensible. Kind of- that's sensible. I, I, did, I, I did the opposite. I made a sketch series with a friend of mine and we put it out and we should not have put it out. <laughs> I mean, it was shite. And you know what? We were so deluded. We even pitched it as a sketch series and we had, somehow we blagged ourselves for a meeting with Lion TV. Right. And uh, yeah, I think the feedback was something along the lines of sort of this is like a GCSE art project standard. Right. You kind of have to go through that, though, don't you? Like Devastating, yeah. It's humiliating, but it's funny, but then it, it helps you realise quicker. You're like, oh, yes. okay, someone's giving some negative feedback now, right. I mean, it's going to be helpful eventually. It'll help you get better. You've got to be shit for a bit. Yeah, for sure. So what was, was Leslie, your short film, was that the first piece of work that you put out onto the internet? Or yeah, and was. Oh, that was just made available for people to, to view. Yes, yeah, so that one. So I'd been working in advertising for a while. And, and when you're creative in advertising, it's a lot of the same thing. It's like creative problem solving. You're writing scripts, but they're usually only like a minute long. Um, and then on the side, I wrote and shot Leslie, which is my first like, live action short film. And that was the first time I put something out, and that was um, I think only a few years ago. I don't know, 2015. I can't okay. remember. Um, and so that was that was the first time I made something like when I put it out, and it and it got like a good enough response for me to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I want, I want to do more of it. And um, so, it was- and, and then I got money to make a new one, so that the people that. Uh, so it would pay to, to make it for me to do another one. Yeah, which is pretty pretty amazing for your first proper short film because it, it also got a Vimeo staff pick, didn't it? And it was selected for BAFTA qualifying sh- short film festivals. Yeah, so it was it was my first time venturing into the world of film festivals, um, and you learn quite quickly. There's just shitloads of festivals, and you kind of try and be selective of which ones are kind of worth going to or get the good credentials or it's usually you get there and you if the other films playing in the program are really good as well it's like oh this is a good festival um whereas i remember going to one where like this it was such a mad program where i think before my film there was like a like a half an hour kind of experimental czechoslovakian like documentary and then my comedy short played straight afterwards and i was like oh because this this film festival is a bit nuts. Maybe some of the others are, are better. Um, but anyway, yeah, so it played at, um, at some good festivals. Um, it got Vimeo staff pick, which um, is really nice because um, it means Vimeo pumping out to a lot, a lot more people get to see it, I guess. And then, why Vimeo is such a lovely community for short films? Because people get in touch if they like it. And the comments under a Vimeo uh, film are like, oh, wow, great performance, or what lens did you use? Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, on YouTube, the comments just turn into an argument about Hitler, 
within like three comments or something. And then people in, on Vimeo reach out to you, whether it's like a composer is like, oh, if you're doing a film in the future, I'd love to kind of work with you or, or actors send you their showreels and stuff. And so you, with Leslie, I felt like I was moving into like the short filmmaking community. So did you meet a lot of people off the back of uh, the festivals and, and through Vimeo, fellow filmmakers and yeah. writers? Did you? Yeah. yeah. Exactly that. Yeah. So um, they're just really supportive of the, the short filmmaking community. And then you see other short films that, that you like and you see, and you realize there's just all these great actors out there who um, are screaming out for parts and they, they will do short films if, if the script is good enough. And it kind of opens possibilities up, up, up to you. Yeah. And so I very much wrote Leslie to be. Oh, that's that's it. Sorry, I'm going back in time here now. But I I tried to make shorts for a while, and I'd always written them to be too big, too much money, too many locations, too many cast, too many actors, and like, how do I pull this off? How do I get enough money to to make this? So then I set my brief, set myself the brief of like I need to write an achievable short film, and and so Leslie is like one man alone in a forest on a phone. And I was like, okay, I know that this is achievable. Um, and then, um, and then I just sent it to um, Arnab, who I thought could play play the part, and he wanted to do it. So then, suddenly, I had a script and um, talent on board. And then I, I took it to um, Bloom to Productions. So I was like, I'm, I'm looking to make this. I need a producer to help me out, and they. Um, I think because they saw that it made, they liked the script, but they saw that like, oh, we can make this. This is an achievable film, and so they helped me out. Did you know those guys before? Or did you just sort of literally just reach out yeah, to them? Yeah, so that that, that, that was a, a key. That's where the advertising thing comes in. When I, um, I'm always like shooting adverts with production companies, so I get to meet all of these producers from these production companies and make friends with them. And then when I wanted to do something longer, I just got in touch with those guys just for help and advice and that's that's how it works perfect that's often the way isn't it like it can be super useful if you are working in a career like advertising and you're you know you're aspiring you're an aspiring writer director you're just meeting people along the way and then when you're ready you're like i've done a short come on <laughs> so i'll be out now i think that's it yeah i don't know you've just got to kind of meet these people and then just ask. Yeah. So that thing, can, can, can you help me out with it? I mean, it takes a lot of like energy and, and motivation, of course, but so does anything. Yeah. And so then, and then you did, so then your next short was uh, Wherever You're Ready. That was my next like live action short. Yeah. yeah. You did the animation in between. I did a couple of animations in, in between that were really helpful as well. I'd never directed animations before but again that was the thing of making an animation putting it out online i did three of them i did a, a trilogy of, of christmas animations that the, the company i was working for paid me to do every year and um yeah they they, they all got staff picked and got shared around and um on, on the internet and stuff and so that helped with like just more connections and people kind of supporting you enough to be like, okay, yeah, we'll give you some money to go away and make it a new short. It just gives you a bit of, a bit of a foundation. Was this you still feel like you're going to 
fuck it up if someone goes like, well, we'll, we'll fund you on you thing. Well, it's, that, it's that imposter syndrome, isn't it? It's like, I don't know about you, but like, I always have that creeping in the back of my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be weird if, if, I, if I didn't. Yeah. Uh, but, oh, this is going to be great. I always feel like, uh, it, when, especially, I mean, animation's different because it, it's so long and it happens just at people's computers slowly drawing things, animating things. But when you're on set and everyone's gathered there for something you've written and the actors are doing your lines, I feel really responsible for everyone's happiness on set. And I'm like, God, they've just come out for the day. Probably a reduced rate because it's a short film. And are they just watching these scenes going like, what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah, like, yeah. All through my head. I mean, that's like, that's like a very like nice, compassionate approach, I think. Yeah. And do you have, like, do you, what's your approach with like direct, with their actors, sorry, to like, you have, do you do warm up exercise with them or anything like that? Or how do you, how, how do you go about like making them feel as comfortable as possible, I guess? Well, um, I mean, you would know because you were in something. I was thinking that as I said it. <laughs> um, we're, so with your thing, um, we're talking about an abstract thing here, but Steve is in a pilot I shot a couple of weeks ago. And um, with, with yours, it, just, I, it fits so easily, that, that role. And I, I'd obviously seen your films before, and I'd seen you play a boyfriend in Swiped and something else of yours, where I was just like, oh, I know Steve can do this. And then, um, and then we met up and talked about it. And I, I think just by talking about it, you kind of get on the same page. And then my thing is never to, I just want your version of it really. Like, mm. you, or, or it's just like, is, has the actor got any questions? And by that point, if you've cast someone, you're, you're looking for them just to do their version of what you've done. So with, with all the shorts I've done, um i'll always just either meet the actor for a chat beforehand or if it's like if, if it's a longer part then um with my second short which is called whenever you're ready which has, rachel stubbings is the lead character in that and she has a really long monologue to do i just did read-throughs with her and kate the other actress that i just filmed so i just set my phone up and i just shoot two or three read-throughs and then make little adjustments based on whatever the perform whatever performance they give in each one. And then they'll always ad lib a line, or there'll always be something they say which is better than, than what I've written, or they say it in their voice. They say what I've written, how they would say it, which suits them more. So then I just I go back to the script and I put that in the script and I give everyone an updated version mm -hmm. of the script. Like I remember even in the one that you did for me, you just added the word panna cotta which wasn't in there. I was like, yes, like, so it needed that element to it. <laughs> it needed someone to say panna cotta at that moment. <laughs> so um, that's how I work. I just work with talented people and then they'll make you look good, I think. That's a, that's a humble, humble way of saying it. But I mean, two Vimeo staff picks in a row, mate. That's talent right there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't deny yourself. Because, um, yeah, whenever you're ready, also you've got a Vimeo staff pick. And it's not... That's not easy to get. 
obviously it's not like you don't make a short film going right i'm, I'm gonna I, w- I want to get a vimeo staff pick you know they they've got thousands and thousands of films that they're looking through on um so to get that is is amazing and then obviously that led to that's how we met because um it did really well on the short film circuit and uh got accepted into palm spring short fest which was basically a a summer camp for film festival for festival yeah. makers a, fe- a, a filmmaker sorry um which was a which was a right laugh yeah that's an incredible festival i'm guessing it's not on this year i was thinking about it the other day yeah so many festivals oh man like it really sucks doesn't it if you think about the people that were in uh had got into south by southwest and you know all these festivals tough yeah that is really sucks because after the, all the hard work of putting it together and then that, and you really looking forward. I mean, South by South supposed to be amazing to have your film played and go there and be part of it. As Palm Springs was, cause I was thinking this year, oh, I haven't got anything ready to submit and I'd like to again. But against that point earlier, like the, the good film festivals are, are amazing. Once you're there and your film showing and there's, there's just so many talented people. It's kind of, in, I find it like, intimidating and inspiring at the same time because there's so many great films that you're like oh my god yeah i've got to do something good and then um it makes it feel achievable again it's like oh these people have made a great film maybe i can yeah i remember when uh, they announced the winner i remember seeing the, the the winning short from palm springs and the guy that directed it was like 21 or something you're just like wow was it german german one yeah yeah it's really good yeah it was, yeah it was like beautifully shot yeah 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 that's the only time i'm like god he's so fucking young <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing with film festivals i mean yeah there's a lot of young people there making great stuff but like you said it's inspiring it's inspiring um yeah. but i've talked to well, I've, I've, I remember with him, with him particularly he seems so young that I was like, if, if I'd have made a film at his age, it would be so awful. Well, I did. It was awful. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, same with me and my, with my sketch show. Like, I, I do think there is definitely, uh, I've talked about this before uh, on the podcast, like, I definitely think there's a benefit to starting later, um, just in terms of like, you know, you're more maybe emotionally developed and you've had like life experiences which are going to inform your writing. Yeah, I, I, it's, obviously some people make great stuff young, but it's definitely true for, for me. Like, um, had I have been doing this, like in early in my early twenties, then I, I don't think it would have been any good. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's, it varies, doesn't it? For some people are just sort of like ridiculously emotionally mature from a young age. You know? Know it's not not even emotionally mature, but just I don't know what it is. They're just ready they sort of pop out ready <laughs> they pop out they've got all of their taste is so like highly attuned that they can tell that their work's going to be good uh, yeah but i didn't have that at that age don't know don't know what it is so you're currently developing three projects with different production companies are they all sitcom projects yeah they're all comedy projects yeah yeah um, two of them are with baby cow Okay. And one is with Clark and Will Films, so it's just over two different production companies. Okay, great. And and how do they come about? Um, so the 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 Clark and Will Films one is again directly from the short film. Like 
when people ask me, uh, uh, if anyone ever asked me advice like younger people, I just said, you just making shorts is so great. It opens up so many doors. It's like you go from someone who's just got a script on their desktop to actually having something that people have seen and it just changes the conversations that, that you have. And so, um, the, the film you're talking about that went to Palm Springs was whenever you're ready. And then, um, that got me some meetings with a couple of different production companies. And, um, and then Rachel, who is in the film. So the production companies wanted to talk about how it would work as a series. And I was quite quickly realized that like, it, it wouldn't work with me just writing the whole thing because this is all from a female perspective of a, of a girl going through something quite traumatic. And so me and Rachel agreed to uh, develop it together. So uh, we met with a few people. We ended up um, getting an option through Clerkenwell Films um, who were really great and got it. And that was all based off they saw the short and then asked for um, a treatment based on the short. So how would you turn this 11 minute film how how do you make this uh, six 30 minute episodes what's what you know what's the arc what's the character journeys and what what, what do you do but i think the the, the 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 short works as a really nice like taster you get a taste for the tone and sure. the, the the energy of it and, and and how the performances work and so that is with clark and well and then we just got a script commission just last week from BBC Studios to write the first episode and so that's that's brilliant yeah that's, that's amazing cool. I, I didn't know that fantastic congratulations thanks is that um, I mean is, are you co-writing that with Rachel as well yeah we're writing yeah. it together yeah, yeah. Um, are we, we're literally doing it this morning over FaceTime because we can't meet up with each other so it's just working out you have to write the first episode um but it's it, it, such a development, such a long process, um, frustratingly long. But I'd kind of it. We really, we wrote the treatment a while ago, and we kind of got paid to do that. And then I just didn't hear, so I purposely just forgotten about it and started yeah. writing things. And then the, the script commission co comes around. Um, so how many sorry, how many months after you submitted the treatment did the script commission get the green light? It might be six. Yeah, it takes so long, man. It takes so long. That long, I, I don't get it. Um, it's uh, it's painful. It is painful. But I think you know, all you can you you use your time wisely. You'd start developing other projects while you're while you're waiting, don't you? That's all you can do. Yeah. So then you have very you're at a point now where you've got various projects at different stages of development. I think that's what you realise when you see people who suddenly bring out a TV series and then straight away they have another. Yeah. one. it's all. It's probably they had like seven in in a, in a queue of a development queue and and once one was successful, the others get the green light. Maybe I guess that's how it works. So what's going to happen for you? Next year, who is this Craig Ainsley guy? He's everywhere. <laughs> That's what happened with Rob Brydon. He had uh, two shows. Um, I should know the name of them, but was it with the one? Was it Marion? Yeah, Marion and Jeff, and um, the one where there's the different couples. It's quite dark. 
Oh, human remains. Human remains, yeah. So they, I think they came out like a very similar times, but you know, it must have been developed for ages. But suddenly, he's on people's screens in two separate shows. That's another great example of just like he shot that from the the, the dashboard of his car. It's incredible, and um, this I, I I don't know his story, but I'm guessing that he was a comedian, and you you could go away and write a big sitcom and take that script around and try and sell it to people or treatment. But he went away and just shot something from the dash of his car. And it was so compelling that like, it's so easy to make. I reckon a production company would be like, we can shoot this for nothing. We might as well. Yeah. We as well make it. Yeah. It, it's always, it always makes such a difference. Obviously, as long as it comes out the way you want it to by just shooting something, whether it's just like a scene or because otherwise people are just reading words on a page um, which yeah. obviously, you know, if the writing's good, that's great. But then if you can just, if they can watch something and actually see that character live or that situation, it's going to make such a difference. Yeah. Or if, if you've never made anything before and they're just reading a script, they're just reading a, a script where if, they, if they've got your shorts as reference, it's like, oh, I can see what this person would do. They get a, a lot more tone across in, in how you would shoot something or perform something. Yeah. Perfect. Hello, sorry to interrupt in the middle of this insightful conversation, which I'm enjoying, I'm sure, just as much as you are. But I need to give you guys a little reminder. Uh, if you like this conversation, this episode, if you like balancing acts in general, then please do subscribe to us, rate and review us because it makes the world of difference. And the more reviews we get, the more rates we get, the more people can discover the podcast and we can make it go viral, whatever that means. Okay, back to the chat. So what are the I get what were the elements that you find most challenging about writing and directing? Obviously, there is the development stuff, which is a ball ache. Are there any other aspects that you find, yeah, particularly challenging or uh, affect your affect you in any way? The, I mean, self doubt, like constantly second guessing, like. I guess you. I, how I work with, with an idea is if I have an idea, you know, like your agent sends you on generals where you've got to go and meet someone and just kind of pitch some ideas to a developer. Like, I, I don't really know how into these ideas I am if I've got to come up with them quickly. Right. You know, it's, it's yeah. like, oh, throw something together. But so, sometimes if I have an idea and I maybe I pitch it to someone that had it, they don't really like it. If I'm still thinking about it like a month later, then I, I then, it, then I like it. it I, it's, and that's me going through a long process with myself, but I learn about it in this kind of gestation period of me being like, Oh, I'm still thinking about that. Yeah. Maybe that you just have something burning for like, even even like close to a year and then something occurs to you to fix it. Or a slight alteration you can make and be like, oh, it could be this. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, like, or, or like sometimes I find certain characters or, or a scene for something might get cannibalized by another project you're working on. Oh, actually, yeah. no, that's not right for that. But that character could be really good for that project. And then suddenly you just ruthlessly pull him out. He's got no say over the matter. Sorry, mate, you're out. You're going there now. I don't want to be in that world. Tough. That's where you're going. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? You kind of, <laughs> you have this like, 
bottom drawer of ideas that, that are sticking around that you like and maybe you've tried them in different projects. Like I, I'm, I'm doing that now with this um, script commission. I, I tried to write, a, well, I, I wrote a, a feature. I sat down and like, like set myself the task of like, are you going to finish this feature? And I, I did, it, did it last year and it's like really early drafts. Um, not really ready to show anyone. But now I've got this script commission. There's a whole chunk of my feature that works that I can think, oh, I can bring this idea into this. So I'm kind of like can cannibalizing this feature that I spent ages writing, putting it into this project. And um, I, I don't know what that means for all this work I put on my feature. Maybe that's dead now because it's had Maybe to that's sacrifice, that's sacrifice and limb to be thrown into this thing. But then it's still ideas. I don't know. Or maybe you know you were meant to write that so that you could use it for this. Yeah, you always find a way. You always find something. Like I, I had a very similar experience recently, like developing an idea. I started going through all my notes systematically for different ideas I'd had over the last sort of seven years, to bloody ages, and then every now and then, I, there would be an idea or something, and I thought, oh that could be used for that. And then I start adding it into this new world that I'm creating. And so it, it in a way, it's quite satisfying because you're like, oh, those ideas which literally, you know, went to waste, been rotting for years, have now yeah. come to, they've sort of, they've come to life again, but in a different capacity. Yeah, totally. Even things that I forgot I came up with years ago, I'm like, I read it back and I'm like, was that me that wrote that? It must be because it's on my desktop. <laughs> And I'm like, that's actually quite a good idea. Yeah. And then I might try and... I remember when I was thinking about writing shorts that were achievable, I just spent a couple of days just like brainstorming concepts that were just one single location. Well, that's also great about whenever you're ready. It's like you... Yeah, that was one of them, yeah. Yeah, well, you've got that one location and then just like this amazing monologue. And it was interesting because... Obviously, I don't want to say too much about your your latest project, but and we can cut this out if need be. But when I read the script for the for the role that you'd you'd asked me to to, to be in for this for the latest pilot, uh, reading the monologue of the female character um, for me, like I, I could I could see oh that like Craig has such a clear style, like I just it made like it could I could see the parallels between the writing in that and then whenever you're ready. And oh, I think that, that's such, such a good thing to have like such a, such a sort of like, yeah, specific style or well, indiv individual yeah. style. Yeah. I mean, it, it again, it's, it's either that or me repeating myself, I guess, but, um, I didn't think yeah. it was, and the diff there were different scenarios, different characters, but mm. it was just also, I know you, so that's something, but <laughs> it's just sort of, yeah, it's just like, Oh yeah, that's nice. This is like this is Craig's. This is Craig. This is his shtick. Yeah. Um, well, I don't mind talking about the um, that that pilot. It's it's kind of on topic again. It was me. I, I how that one came about. This is this is the pilot commissioned uh, for Baby Cow. Yeah, so it's called Alleyway Chef. I yeah. Am I meant to talk about it? <clears throat> I don't know. Who cares, really? I mean, it's fine. Is it? I guess. <laughs> this, sounds, <laughs> this sounds like one of your monologues. 
But anyway, I think like I know I keep banging on about this thing about writing things that I, I could make. I had like so last year I had like two things in development that just you get paid to write the treatment and then they disappear into development and then you just like occasionally you might hear back and it'll just be a note saying, Oh, uh, channel four passed or sky have passed or something like that. So you'll just get like a little bit of bad news out of the blue on like a average Wednesday afternoon. And that's after how long of submitting it? Um, I don't know you a, a month here, a month there. Like right, you just, okay. you, you know that the production company believe in it and the developers of baby cow are, are really great as other ones at Clark and we're like, just really, align with their taste so you trust them they go off and, and do it but uh, as the kind of writer career you're just left waiting and so um rather than wait i um thought well, could i shoot a series my, myself i mean obviously it's, it's a big ask so I, I wrote this new thing which is called alleyway chefs which again is all essentially set in one location and then i i got it to a point where i was like oh i know i could make this that would be the the first episode and then once i had that i just took it around a, a, a couple of places and um you know and, and ended up talking to baby cow about it. and it became an, another thing in development that we shot through baby cow and became this um pilot that that you were in la last week and uh two weeks ago and again to, to my point it was just born out of like ah how can i how can i film something my, myself i'm always like I get super frustrated with how long things take that I try and take control of it myself. So it's like, well, I've got no control over BBC Studios paying for this to turn into a pilot, but if I write something contained enough that I know I can get a crew together to shoot myself, then the, it's the, the controls in, in my hands. And that, that's how, that's, that's why I wrote Alleyway Chefs whilst waiting for the other, other things in development. And weirdly, that's the one that we've ended up shooting first. I don't know what my point is. Something no, about what was writing things that you know are achievable to shoot independently, so that you know even if you even if you hadn't of got the interest or the commission from Baby Cow, you could have essentially shot that on your own. Yeah, that was I was going to do it anyway. When You're I going to do it, it anyway. Yeah. When I showed it to people, it was always like, "This is I'm going to shoot this," uh, unless you're interested to help out. I think it's great that you even despite you know getting these commissions um you know you could just there's an argument said well you should just now focus on just doing long form projects only but it's great that you've also kept up doing shorts and short form content as well because because the thing is like if you if you just rely on the long form projects to eventually come to fruition then you're not going to be on set for like years do you know what I mean you're waiting it's like oh yeah i might just get a commission i could be directing this in three years yeah especially if you're a writer performer and you write yourself into something i mean i'm not a performer but i imagine um, maybe for you or the writer performers is you write yourself into a character and then years pass and you're like am i like still young enough to play this person yeah yeah i can imagine that being uh an issue depending on the which what sort of character or an age they're going for i think i could just yeah. 25 years old or you know, 30 years old you've got a baby face i think i could get away with playing this teenage character yeah. just still trying to pull it off three years the silver hairs are starting to show yeah, <laughs> uh, it's fine, it's fine. i just die it i just die it <laughs> um okay great 
I'm trying to think there's anything else I want to ask you or cover over the, uh, the filmmaking. Um, have you, what would be like, where, you, where would be like the ultimate, have you got like an ultimate goal of where you want your career to be, to be heading? Or, or have you got sort of like, is there anyone, you know, that you, you aspire towards now? Oh, yeah, that's the kind of career that I would love. Oh my God. Um, I think really the truthful answer is just, it'd be great to, um, to be able to spend um, 100% of my time doing this, just writing, directing uh, my own TV shows yeah. or films as well. If, 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 I could make, if I could make my living doing that, that'd be a cool place to settle. Yeah. I don't know. That's quite a boring answer, isn't it? What, what, no, what were you? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't have any expectations for the answer. So, um. <laughs> you know, I mean, the nature of your the, the show is called Balancing Acts, and I, I, I don't know. Just my, my immediate friends who do the same thing as as me. It is that constant struggle, which is why it's a good topic for a, a podcast. As people are trying to. Um, kind of fund their passions, you know, whether you've got to um, do something you're not really into to fund the film that you want to make, or you've got to like, you go away and you shoot an advert and then that gives you some money to shoot your short film or, or, or something. Like, oh, loads of creative people are just trying to strike that balance of like shooting, making things that they really feel passionate about and doing things which gives them money. But if the, those two things can collide, I think that's like the perfect world. That's the ultimate, isn't it? Yeah, I, I had the same thing. Collide. Sorry? Where passion and money collide. Great name for your future self-help book. That's coming out soon. <laughs> uh, yep. I, I had the same thing. For me, was producing, you know, producing like... I was fortunate in terms of like it was common. It started off music videos and but then it started i started to uh veer off to do comedy branded content so i was fortunate in terms of it was in that area but it was still producing and i wanted to move away from producing to doing more you know the writing and directing side of things but it enabled me to finance stuff like swiped and other other projects yeah so it's just yeah you got to give you skill you're like a force of nature you you and all you can produce write direct and, and act in something so you're like a you're like self-sufficient straight away whereas and so you're like the stuff you were producing in order to make money do your own things it was just building muscle that you could use in your own stuff yeah yeah there is that i think also um there's also an argument to be said though that is it better just to focus on one thing so for instance you're just focusing on writing and directing that's your thing and whether that means you progress quicker than somebody uh, who is deciding uh, due to their sort of, um, call it megalomania, deciding to do four, spinning four plates at once. It means that they might not master. Obviously, you, ne you never master becoming like a writer, director. You're always learning something new. That's one of the great things about it. But whether, yeah, your, your projection would be quicker if you were just focusing, focusing on sort of like maybe one or two elements as, as opposed to, I guess the classic, the classic thing I've talked about this again has popped up in the last conversation, the one before, because I was speaking to people like that. The the multi hyphenates, you heard of that? Yeah. Like ever since like Fleabag came out, you know, 
we were looking for the next Phoebe Waller-Bridge. He's Molly Hyphenate. I've got to stop using the accent. I did the same example last episode. I did the same character. We're looking for Molly Hyphenate, mate. You didn't let him for an act. <laughs> well, all of these like Cockney developers looking for Molly Hyphenate. Yeah, well, you know, they're out there, mate. There's tons of Cockney developers, isn't there? You know, <laughs> flogging, flogging formats, flogging shows on the, on the corner, street corner, <laughs> markets. Get your formats, mate. Get your formats. Buy one, get one free. Anyway, yeah. Well, I don't know. She, I mean, she's great, but there's there's more than just her, you know. Like, I think people see something successful, of course, and, yeah. Um, like, and then they just try and replicate it. It's, I I worked with her. She's the um uh, in one of my animated shorts. She's the voice of one of the animated things, and it was weird afterwards that the people that would get in touch with me thinking that I was like a, a, a contact to her, like a, a people, Americans, like people in LA. So are you and Phoebe doing something again? It's like, <laughs> you're not going to get, I don't really know. <laughs> I met her like a couple <laughs> of hours. But yeah, well, you're a multi-hyphenate, I think, aren't you? I guess I could be termed as that. How, how many hyphens are you, are you rocking? How, how many what? How many hyphens you got going on? <laughs> I got, I got, a, I got a, on a rainy day, I've got about four hyphens going on. Four hyphens? Yeah, I guess it depends what you consider. Whatever works though. I, do, I don't, I think you can always feel like you're juggling too much and you don't know what you should focus on. It's just if it feels right, you know, like if you can write something for yourself, then, then why not? Yeah. You can write yourself really well, you know yourself. I mean, I probably, if I felt I was an effective actor, I, I would maybe do it. Although it's probably stressful on set. I don't know. I mean, you've done it. I don't know how you direct yourself. I actually find it relatively easy because uh, I can be, I'll know straight away if it was a good take or not. Because I just know if I've done a shit, I just know if like, no, no, that was shit. And I can, and I can talk to myself and like in a very like honest way you know, sort of internally, because I know that was shit. Let's do another one. And then if I've got it, I'll know, I'll know I've got it. Well, Give yourself some notes between takes. Yeah, basically, yeah. And all the crew are like, what the boss going on with Steve? Just talking to himself in the corner. That was good, mate. I just want a little bit more. I want a bit, bit more grounded. Okay. Yeah, yeah no problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. But each, each time, what I did find really challenging was when I was making these uh, comedy rap music videos. And uh, I would be I'd be directing them, producing them, and then also <laughs> be the rapper. And uh, I remember like I did one video. It was just I had all these extras, <laughs> and I'm like directing. I had no AD or anything like that. And I'm directing and directing the extras where to go. Bam, bam, bam. And then turn into camera, do a take, rapping in character as this eight year old, eight year old man. It was the, the, the song's called like The Life of a Geriatric. And then, right. yeah, and then and then speaking to the run and go right can we can we order pizza in 45 minutes for lunch for everyone that was just <laughs> that was too much that's incredible though i would just fall apart under that amount of pressure Did i mean it's deluded well. there's something deluded. you have to be i think you have to be quite deluded to get yourself in that situation and not <laughs> not, not necessarily question it you know you go, yeah no no it's fine it's fine even the makeup artist on that <laughs> I, I knew her but even her she turned around because Steve got to start getting yourself a producer. Yeah. 
I thought you were going to say you were doing the makeup as well. <laughs> Did you edit that one as well? No, I didn't edit it. I didn't edit it. I, that's generally my rule of thumb. I like to work with an editor. Um, for yeah, me, yeah. it makes, I don't know about you, but just having that point of view there is just so valuable. Yeah, I have the same ed- editor for each one. I oh, do you? Mm. So, I mean, that's, that's an interesting point. And do you, do you find that you work with the same team or crew for each production or do you like to mix it up? Yeah, I try to, yeah. If they're, if, if they're available or if they want to do another project with me, my, my editor has been the same each, each time. Um, <clears throat> and that's always good. Cause he will like challenge me just like brutally, like sever out a whole chunk that I was hanging on to. And it's like, wow, I've got to look at it from this new angle. And, um, will you have conversations with him before the shoot in terms of planning the edit? I do my own storyboard, really terribly drawn storyboard. And then I send that to him. Um, and he might even feed back on the storyboard, which is kind of handy as well. And then, um, and then, yeah, we just talk about, about it. Then I go in and he will um, like test me, take things out and say, do you need this? And um, I think it's ultimately it's about taste. He's got, I, I like his taste. And so. Um, and that's a big thing, isn't yeah, it? Uh, yeah. If you can connect with someone over, over taste, you share the same taste then. That's a great starting point. Yeah, especially with things like, like whenever you're ready, it was a bit like, like a weird long monologue. With um, and, and editing wise, I suppose it's you know not 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 hugely interesting, but he found a way to cut that up, and it, and you know he 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 got it. He wasn't you know when when you deliver the final thing to him and he watches it again I, like i have on so i just have this fear that like he might watch this and be like what fuck am i editing here what is this uh, but he doesn't do that well not to my face so um i like it i look for self-assurance from uh <laughs> from the crew so if i do a scene there's a scene i look and i think it's you know potentially a funny scene yeah. i look to see if any of the crew are laughing and sometimes if they're not, like that will affect me sometimes. Not not yeah. that much, but like I'm like, is it funny? Maybe it's not. Yeah, funny. me too. And if they did laugh, it'd ruin the scene. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, I'd, I'd I'd quite be quite happy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then you learn about it afterwards by by watching it. So I remember the first few festivals when you see it at, at, a, at a big screen. It starts and you're sat in the audience, and I just feel myself like shrinking in my seat as it's starting, it's been like, oh God, how's this gonna go over? But then you learn about the film by watching it with audiences. Like the laughs come at the same pits all the time. There might be a few oddities, but usually you can rely on like, oh, that cut always gets a laugh. Wow, okay, and I know that cut's coming up so I can start uh, feeling a bit more at ease. I didn't enjoy the screenings at first, but by the end, I was kind of comfortable with them. Yeah, I found it very, I found it quite stressful. I did, for Swiped, I did one screening, I did one evening where I did four screenings in one evening. One for industry people. I did one for, I think I did two lots, actually two lots of industry people, one for friends and family, and then one for all the cast and crew. And yeah, you're just sort of like very aware of where, I'm always aware. It's like, it's like the, you know, typical point of view from a comedian, you kind of hone in on the one person that isn't laughing. 
sort yeah. of like you're aware of the moments or where there are no laughter rather than focusing on the bits where you're getting loads of laughter. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's brutal. It's total exposure. You've just gathered these people in this room to watch the thing that you made. And you've, that's it. You just got to hit play and pray. And this awkward moment for the industry one where after, <laughs> after, the, after the screening had finished, the film ended, and then I went to open the door to like just pull it open so that people could walk out. But then somehow I ended up just getting stuck there because the first person that walked out shook my hand and then everyone else that followed suit thought they should also <laughs> shake my hand. And it was the most awkward thing where I was like shaking hands. Everyone was like, start to like perspire. And I was like, this isn't what I planned. This is what's going on here. I just want to get out. So, and people thought you'd position yourself there, especially for the handshake. Yeah, that was the worst thing about it. The most egotistical move ever. Come on, shake my hand. You cannot exit until you've shaken my hand. Yeah. It's also a coronavirus nightmare as well. You at the door just touching everyone's hand. Yeah. Um, what, um, so what do you do outside of filmmaking to relax and unwind? Well. And writing, sorry. Well, I'm a fairly new dad. So I have a two-year-old daughter. Yes, this was actually can... something I want to talk to you about. We're, at da- we're in danger of her gate crashing this podcast at any minute. Because... Bring her in. All the nurseries are closed and she is, uh, well, nap, nap time could end at any minute, basically. So a lot of my time is uh, spent dadding, looking after her. How do you find that balance between being a, a dad and, you, and sort of, you know, doing your career stuff? Yeah, that was massive change in, in, in my life. Um, it, I, I, it worked in a couple of ways, which was... I went from just being like someone without a kid to a dad and just the amount of time it takes up was completely surprising to me. Maybe it was, I was naive to think that I'd have more time. Um, but, and, but it was also quite motivating somehow. I think she was like four months old when I shot whenever you're ready. So after she was born, I quite quickly realized that I only now have short windows of time where I, 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 I can work and maybe that's like still my day job or like a few hours here and there. Like it stopped me wasting time or procrastinating so much. So I wrote and cast and filmed that show all within like the first four months of her life. Somehow I can't actually looking back. That's at incredible. Life. But it, it, it lit a fire under me a little bit. Cause I was like, oh, I don't want to have to stop now. I want to, be able to continue and then like learning to be a father at the same time, which is just an ongoing kind of lesson. Um, and so this thing of like, I hate um, not like being absent. Like so if, if I'm with her and I know I've got work to do, it's really frustrating for me to like not be present with her. So I just try and like, well, while, while I'm with her, that's all I'm doing. Yeah. You try and do two things with a kid, you're just making your life so stressful. You just need to like be there for her. If she wants to suddenly spend like half an hour pointing at a worm and talking about it, that's all you're doing in that time. And then when you get like a couple of hours later on to work, then I would just work. I just started like working on stuff. And it was like about like, okay, what am I going to do? Which things are going to get made? What do I want to achieve with this? script it focused me somehow 
um, I mean, that's not that's not me all the time, but in that in that, in that first kind of half a year of her life, it offers me. That's great. That's great. Yeah, because I guess you can go either way with it, can you? It could it could absorb you and and uh, be time consuming. All right, I'm just going to focus on work and being a dad, as in like your your advertising career to bring in the bacon. Yeah. Yeah, got to bring in the bacon. I'm bringing home a little bit of bacon. Yeah. Um, I remember like years ago, I watched, um, I can't remember what it's called, um, The Making of Apocalypse Now. Okay. It's got a great title. It's escaped me for some reason. I heard about it from somewhere. I can't look, 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 look up the title. It's good. Um, I'm going to put this down as a another thing to watch. Hearts of Darkness. So okay. I watched Hearts of Darkness before um, we had Winnie, my, my daughter, and um, basically during that that shoot for Apocalypse Now, which was just a fucking nightmare. Everything was going wrong, and Francis Ford Coppola's wife was filming, and. Um, Obviously, famously, the story of Apocalypse Now was they just spent, they went way over time and budget, and the whole crew was just in this jungle being eaten alive by mosquitoes. Um, Martin Martin Sheen had, like, a a heart attack, like one of the cast members had a heart attack and had to go off set and come on set, and there was so much shit going wrong. And um, in the film, like, people start losing their minds and hallucinating, and it was kind of meta because the crew were doing that as well. And in Hearts of Darkness, there's just this amazing footage of like, they're like weeks over on their production and out of money. So uh, Coppola's funding it himself. And there's just this scene of him, he's living on a houseboat and he's sat in just pants at a typewriter, rewriting the ending of the film. Like he's, he's, in, he's on location, like on set almost, rewriting the ending of this film. And he's got two little kids just running around him like chaos. And I always remember thinking like, wow, yeah, you can do it. <laughs> and um, I mean, God knows how he pulled that off in, in the end, but there was just this, like the, the stress and pressure that he must have been feeling at that moment, his own money, the ending doesn't work. You have to rewrite it. And you're, you've got two kids just like clattering pans together and running around you. And that image just stuck in, stuck in my head. Um, and I, occasionally, I, I, I think of it as, as, I as a dad. That. Not that I would compare myself to Coppola, but there's just this thing of, of multitasking and how things don't have to stop because of responsibilities, and you can just try and kind of make them live together. Yeah, you just try and make it work. It's like some beautiful mess, and just yeah, figure it out as you go along. Embrace that mess. And like, there have been so many times where like early on in fatherhood where you, you're up at like three, you may be awake from like two till four in the morning and you're just trying to get them back to sleep. And well, are you, are they just sat on your lap and it's just this quiet time. And like, actually that is, you're not really doing much parenting there. You're just holding your baby and trying to get them to sleep. And you might solve creative problems in, in the middle of the night. Occasionally it happens. You're usually just pissed off because you're so fucking exhausted. But I've definitely had time to think, time to make notes. And just in those weird, quiet, mo- twilight moments where, I, I don't know, you might have just like 
your, your kid will wake you from a, a deep sleep or a, a dream at 2 a.m. and then you're thrown into this scenario where you're kind of in the kitchen making some milk and your, your mind's still kind of lucidly dreaming. And um, I mean, it's not the ideal way to write or to brainstorm, but I try and like use those moments as well. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I was thinking the other day, I watched um, the film Happy People with Adam Sandler. It was, uh, it's a Judd Apatow film. Oh, yeah. Not a fun, funny people. Sorry, yeah. What did I say? Happy people. <laughs> funny people. I'm getting confused with Happy Gilmore. Just put the two together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, funny people, yeah. And uh, Judd Apatow's wife, Leslie Mann, is in it, and his daughters as well. And, you know, at that point, I think his youngest may have, maybe have been about seven or something. Um, right. And I just, I'm just I wonder, imagine what that experience must be like where you're directing your wife and two kids. Like not, yeah. like, not in like a short film or anything, like in this, you know, Hollywood film. Mm. Like, oh God, yeah. I don't know. It's like... Such a unique experience. Parenting and directing at the same time. That's, that's yeah. the, the ultimate kind of chaotic moment. But then kind of cool because he's bringing them along for the ride. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, that's the main balancing act for me now is okay. um, parenting and um, writing at, at the same time. But then it, it has kind of, it does change you. It opens you up to like new ways of thinking and realizations and different insights. And, and actually one of the, um, one of the projects I have in development, not the thing that I showed with you, but the, the other show that's with baby cow is hugely inspired by that first year of, of, of parenting. Okay. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole um, story arc of a, a, a father with a, with a baby. Right about what you know. Got we done. It, yeah. um, all right, man. Well, look, thank you so much for um, this conversation. I usually wrap things up by asking guests on the podcast, what the idea of balance means to them or not. But I kind of feel like, kind of pretty much answer that to a certain degree um just in terms of where you're currently at with balancing your debt you know being a dad and a, and a right director but if you want to add anything obviously yeah go ahead I, I started meditating after i think becoming at around about the same time as coming down i started a day daily uh med, guided meditation just 10 minutes a day and that's been really helpful for the for, for, for the balance as well just to um, give myself a sense of patience and not run off, let my frustrations take over my mood too much because it is incredibly frustrating trying to get things off the ground and how long it, it, it takes. I don't even know that answers the question. I always find that the, this is not about, but the way to get rid of frustration in like with creativity is just start working on something. As soon as you start working on something, you you, you feel a little bit better because you, you you can just feel paralyzed by like, which one should I be working on? But just start writing something. Just go ahead and do it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Even if it's like an idea, if I don't have an idea for a show, just start. I will just like write two people at a coffee table and just start writing the dialogue of two people talking and see what comes out. It's It's like... It's like doing some stretches or something before going for a run or like it just kind of something. You're doing something and it feels better than nothing. Great. All right, man. Thanks so much. I know um, you're, you're in the shed. 
And uh, yeah. is it is it sunny there where you are? Is it, is it a hot sunny day? It's just come out. Literally just a second before you said that, it, it came really? out. Okay. Well, well, maybe it's your time now to be released from the shed and, and go out to, yeah. to get some vitamin D. That was really good, man. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Perfect. And there we have it, Craig Ainsley in the building, or or in the shed, actually. Lovely conversation. Hope you enjoyed that one, guys. And uh, lockdown is going swimmingly for you. I've started to get into the rhythm of this thing now, and uh, starting to enjoy myself. Really, really rocking the, the the recipe thing right now. Tonight, I cooked myself a sweet potato green curry. And uh, it was rather nice. And uh, I, w- I watched the first two episodes of The Last Dance, the document, the Netflix documentary series on the last... I think it's Jordan's last season at the Chicago Bulls, and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Devoured the first two episodes in one night, but still not binging, which is, which is good. Uh, doing, doing the old exercise, the meditation... Just got just got my routine on lockdown, no pun intended. So uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the episode, guys. As always, please do rate, review, subscribe, uh, all that jazz. It really does help get the podcast out there. And uh, tune in to next week's episode where I will be joined by the very funny and uh, deep, wise and intelligent Carl Donnelly. Until then, have a good one. Balancing Acts is now made in association with the Comedy Crowd, who are a website and community that support independent comedy creators such as myself. I have a Comedy Crowd short, which is a a two-minute video, one of my characters on their website. They showcase the best new videos on Comedy Crowd TV, which is comedycrowdtv.com, and across media platforms, so do go and check them out. 